This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. We are living in a time where our future is uncertain, which means youth voice is as important as ever. Kia ora. Join me, Leo, on Operation Rakatahi on ORFM's Youth Zone, 105.4 FM, 1575 AM or online at oar.org.nz or download the Youth Zone app on Google Play or the Apple App Store. Kia ora and welcome to Operation Rakatahi with Leo. So today I've got a couple of topics that I'll be talking about today. I'll be talking about racist media in the wake of the um, Russian-Ukraine war. Um, and I'll also be talking about this. It may sound boring on the offset, but it is important to talk about the supermarket duopoly that we have in New Zealand because it's created some contentious problems here in New Zealand. And I will get to those later in the show. But first, um, I have an update on how the show is going in the future. Um, Faye has advised me, after consideration and chats with each other, they will not be continuing with the radio show. She, they found it wasn't for them, and it was it didn't fit in with Faye's schedule anymore. And so we made the mutual decision to for the for Faye to part ways with the show. Now there was no falling out or anything. It was absolutely fine. And it may not be a surprise to some people as Faye hasn't been on the show for weeks. But going forward, I will be the sole host again for um, the foreseeable future. So, yeah, thanks for your time on the show, Faye. Even though it was short, it was well appreciated and we got some good shows out of it. So, you know. Um, but. <laughs> With that out of the way, um, first off, um, COVID is, I'm going to briefly mention about COVID and everything. Yeah, I'm sorry, everyone's probably sick of it, but I would be, uh, well, I would be useless and not using my platform to talk about it. I hope everyone has been okay, because we've actually got it in the community now, back in Dunedin. And... It is important to talk about because it's not just Omicron in the community here in Dunedin. We've also got Delta in the community. So, like, yeah, and we've moved away from the PCR tests to the rat tests for testing for the virus. So, like, and it's created a, like, a strange world. They're not the cheapest of things, and they sell out unless you've actually got, you're actually sick and you go to a testing station and they give them to you. It's actually, like, really, A, expensive, and B, really hard to get across them because they're just, everyone wants them, and they're just such a, they're so valuable, and, like, it's such a scary thing that we live in a world that is continuing to experience and grapple and evolve with COVID. So, like, the world is ever changing as we speak. And just a few months ago, the whole, well, we didn't have anything in Dunedin at all. And it was 
it's been a turbulent last more than two years of coming up three years of COVID and it's so yeah so just look after each other out there because it's not a easy time at the moment for some people and we've got COVID deaths back up on the rise here in New Zealand and that's not what we want like we don't want any trouble in our community if we can have it but the fact that we have got it is quite saddening so just take care of each other out there and don't go to parties I know that like Small gatherings, not giant student parties, and I know my big audience is you as students and high school students. Just don't go to them for the short wee while, because actually, and yes, that may sound like I'm talking down to you all, but because all the older people are doing that at the moment. But actually, I think especially us as a generation, we're letting the side down a little bit, like allowing it to spread because. It's created a cesspit in Stuntville of um, COVID. And it's a wee epicenter in the country. that, And we shouldn't allow that to keep spreading. And, yeah. But enough about that. I'm going to be moving on to talk about... So if you've been following the media at the moment and we're following the whole Ukraine stuff, it is not getting better, and I've spent the last couple of shows talking about it, and I'm not going to do that again because I would. I'm getting. Well, I don't want this just to become the Ukraine show because it's Operation Rakatahi, and we're going to talk about all the things. And yes, this is the biggest news story in the world at the moment, and it's actually a war now, and. But there is a side of it that has come out that I would be, I should address because um, we're seeing this reporting on this crisis, this war, and it's exposing a lot of bias and racism within how the world depicts conflict. And I'm not going to be talking about the conflict itself. But I'm going to be talking about the the craziness around how we perceive it. And how we perceive conflict in different parts of the world is actually racist and xenophobic. And I will back that up because if you've been reading articles or watching articles or seeing snippets about how the world is grappling with the Russian-Ukraine war, you will see articles about we did not expect this or want this to happen in places in in the Western world. And um, I have a quote from a journalist who wrote, this isn't a place with all due respect like Iraq or Afghanistan that has been seeing conflict raging for decades. This is a relatively civilised, relatively European. I have to choose those words carefully too. City one, where you wouldn't expect that or hope that this was going to happen. 
Now, and this was from Charlie DeGarter, who's a CBS News correspondent, correspondent in the US. And this is not the only article like this, because yes, that DeGarter has specifically said that he has to choose his words correctly. I still think that the words he chose to use are harmful. And he is not alone. This reporter is not alone in their reporting on this. And this is only one of many, because actually he should have chosen better, even though he's it's implied here that he was talking about choosing better, because implying that it's not in a place that's in the Middle East or Asia, or even Africa for that matter, even though he doesn't mention an African country, but I will include that in here because there are other articles that do mention places like Ethiopia. Um, it's, well, it shouldn't be a surprise that stuff can happen all over the world. It doesn't just happen in places that are more highly affected by war-torn today. And implying civilized societies, this also implies that only civilized happen in Western countries, and it is not. And the Ukraine is predominantly a white country. And talk, talking about it in this way goes, oh, it implies that European countries are better. And that is not my words. That is what it implies, this text. It... And the fact that you wouldn't expect it or hope it was going to happen, well, you wouldn't hope it to happen anywhere. Yes, what is happening in the Ukraine and Russia sucks, and I'm not negating that because it does suck, and it's a horrible thing that is going on. But implying that you wouldn't, A, expect it, or B, hope, well, the hope bit is where it gets me, you wouldn't want to expect it anywhere, and you wouldn't hope it to happen anywhere. And it's, this implies that it's placing value, higher value, on a European country for what is considered civilised. And it makes it seem that places like he mentioned here, Iraq or Afghanistan, are less than because they are war-torn and, in his words, aren't civilised. Well, he didn't say that they aren't civilised. He said that. The Ukraine is a civilized country, relatively European, and talking about how, yeah, and talking about how you it, you wouldn't expect or hope it to happen here. That's what you get from reading these sorts of things, and it is not okay. That is actually xenophobic, actually racist, and it is not okay. And it shouldn't be a thing that is mentioned. And European countries, um, thank you, do not have any monopoly on being more than or better than, no, not just European countries, Western countries that are um, developed, do not have a monopoly, because quite often they get involved in lots of these conflicts in the Middle East, and I'm not talking about the Ukraine. I'm talking about places like Russia, France, the UK, America, Canada, 
even New Zealand and Australia, and I'm not, and many others, they get involved in places like the Middle East and exacerbate the situation. And yes, it may not have been in recent times that these sorts of conflicts have happened in a European country. But actually, European countries, or the Western countries in general, have brought the wars to these countries. So actually, the Europe has been at war for decades. It's just not on European soil. Take that into your mind. And it is actually not okay because you're just implying that... It implies that... Oh, war doesn't happen in Europe. It can't happen in Europe. It's civilized. We can't have this. Well, actually, we should talk about some of the worst atrocities that have happened in human history have happened on European soil. Take the Holocaust, for example. And that is in the last hundred years. And the Cold War. And even more recently than that, the breakup of the Yugoslavian state into the many states it is now, the breakup of the Czech Republic, the breakup of Czechoslovakia. Like, yes, it may not have happened in the last 10, 15 years, a big massive war, but the war is just, they've just taken the wars and decided not to have them on European soil. That is only, that is what has happened. And it puts value on developed countries. And it makes it seem like, it implies that you only, it only happens in the lesser developed countries. And it's classist, racist, xenophobic, like I said. And it brings out more questions that we should be talking about. And Degas's talking of this, in this his reporting of the Ukraine and Russia, it talks about, it actually exposes a, a bias that not, and it's not just located to the media, it's outside. And I've heard this in People's Everyday Vernacular too, talking about Russia and Ukraine. And actually, it has been happening long before Russia and Ukraine that we have this bias and we only care if it happens in developed um, Western, predominantly white countries that making it, because this is a race thing, that we only seem to A, care about and B, value the discussion of these troubling topics when they happen in places that are in the developed world. And it has not just happened in Russia and the Ukraine. It has happened for decades. Yes, we do talk about places like Syria a lot, Israel a lot, and when the and during the war on, war on terror there was talk about it but where is the reporting on ethiopia right now 
where is the reporting on Myanmar? Because they are both still in civil wars. We just got the breaking headlines when it started, and that was it. Today, we are getting day-to-day-to-day-to-day coverage on Russia and the Ukraine war as it happens. We know every pinpointing detail. I am even struggling to find out what is going on in Myanmar, in Ethiopia, or even Sudan. Because they've got... And that's just a few countries that I've listed off the top of my head. Because actually, it's a struggle to find out what is going on day to day to day. And I would like to know more. And I'm actually trying to look for more information. But it only seems to be cared about when it's on European soil. We saw it just last year with the two constitutional crises that have happened in the last year. Once was happened at the end of Donald Trump's presidency with the storming of the Capitol and the impeachment trials around um, Donald Trump. And we got very little coverage. We did get some, but very little coverage to the same extent of what we saw in the United States on what was happening in Samoa during, before, during, and after their presidential election, which actually had more of a direct consequence on New Zealand than what was happening in the US. Yes, it was a big deal what was happening in the US, and that would cause big trade issues, but actually there was issues about the Samoan constitution stating that if they were in a state of emergency, they could bring in the New Zealand army as backup because Samoa doesn't have an official army. So New Zealand's army military would have to get involved if they were called upon it because there is treaties embedded in Samoan law with New Zealand. And it gives this perception, going back to the main, I went a bit off topic there, going back to the main chat about today, because the continual discussion around this is, like I said before, I will keep saying it until the message is hammered home, that this is racist, this is xenophobic, this is classist. And it creates an us-and-them situation. We don't talk about people fighting back. We take the Russia and Ukraine. We don't... How am I going to explain this? When we hear about something like Ethiopia... It was reported like the people that are fighting back against the government are rebels fighting against the Liberation Army. Not my words. It was a military dictatorship coup preying on their citizens to get what they want. Yes, I know Russian, the Russia-Ukraine and the Ethiopian stories are different, but the sentiment on the reporting is the same. But we are talking about Ukraine and Russia. And when we talk about, and I, yes, I know that there's democracy involved with this, but take that out for a second. We don't talk about people fighting back 
in Russia to uh, back fighting back in the Ukraine against Russia as rebels fighting back. They're people being patriotic, standing up for democracy and fighting for their country. The so-called rebels in Ethiopia are standing up for democracy too and fighting back. It's, it's a bit more insular because they're fighting against their own government, whereas in the Ukraine they're fighting an outside source, a neighbouring country. But there's more value on one than the other. It's the same in Myanmar. They're fighting back against their government for democracy. And the West creates this whole value on democratic countries, and it's such a big deal. But when we talk about it in the grand scheme of things, people who fight back for democracy in developed countries are labelled as heroes, heroes of heroes of democracy. People in Ethiopia, Myanmar, rebel, rebel, rebels. And terrorists for some in some cases, and yeah, but that is all I've got time for before we go to a song break. Um, I just I just did a very long rant. I'm sorry. I just need to regather my thoughts. Um. Read more into this, because this is such a big deal, whether you're into politics or not. Whether you're into media-related stuff in general, read into it, because it makes you understand the world we live in. And yes, I may be pushing partially what I'm choosing to study on other people with this radio show, but at the same time, you're my audience. And if you're listening to this, you're probably interested. I would like you to listen and take what I've said, because I'm only one perspective. I've only got one viewpoint on it. And just listening to me, and if you agree with me, there's confirmation bias. And I will admit that. We should be able to look at all different perspectives. And... I know what I'm talking about is pointing out the issues. I'm only one side of the many different things, and I'm not always going to get everything correct. I endeavour to every single time, and I research and I back everything up to make sure that I'm trying not to give you misinformation. And... But read more into this because, and also at the same time, I've only got uh, however long I talk about. This is going to be about 25 minutes just talking about this. I've only got this wee short thing. And this is all from my research, my opinion, my voice. And yes, every single person's voice is important. Listen to the ones who are actually incorrect. And listen to more than one perspective, more than multiple different perspectives. 
is that is how we get balance in what we hear and perceive. And it is less likely that we have confirmation bias and confirmation biases within our perspectives of the world. And that is important. Make sure you call out what is not okay. And call out the inconsistencies, whether that is unconsciously racist, xenophobic, sexist, homophobic, transphobic, ableist. Like, the list goes on. Call out what is wrong with the world. Because the more people do that, the more people are A, heard, B, listened to, and C, have people that stand out, stand, stick up for them. Because we can't just keep our mouth shut when things get hard. And that's a big thing. And that's partly why I continue to do this show. A, because I enjoy it. And B, it's important to highlight what is wrong with the world. But we're going to go to a song break and I'll be back talking about the supermarket duopoly in New Zealand. Yeah. See you after the song break. Don't go anywhere.
Rakatahi with Leo. So, um, I'm going to be talking about the big scandal that's happening onshore in New Zealand is to do with supermarkets, and it's it shows that we live in such a capitalist society that. Um, we live in a supermarket duopoly, and it is not to the best interests of everyday New Zealanders, and yeah, so the problem with this is, currently here in New Zealand today, the cost of living in New Zealand is the highest, one of the highest in the OECD world, which is, and the cost of living has risen 5.2% from 2020 to 2021, and it is currently the highest in New Zealand ever since Stats New Zealand started recording the cost of living in 2008. And that was due to the global financial crash and they had to change how they conducted um, gathering statistics around the economy. 
and they did record this sort of thing pre-2008, but that system is so out of date, it doesn't actually correlate, so that's why they talk about recording starting in 2008. Um, the problem is, the reason why we live in a duopoly with our supermarkets, and a duopoly, well, if you've played the game Monopoly, you can kind of get the idea, where you try and, con well, the game Monopoly, you try and create, can't take control, or be the one competitor to take control of the market. In New Zealand, with our supermarket system, we are, we live in a duopoly that controls both, that, that two chains take control of our entire supermarket industry. And those two chains are Woolworths and full Foodstuffs. Woolworths owns Countdown, Super Value, Fresh Choice, and Food Town. And Foodstuffs owns New World, Pack and Save, and the Four Square. And there are, and I think, on-the-spot dairy chains as well. And it's not great because it means that they can have the pricing competitively between each other, but it also locks out other competitors. And it contributes to how the cost of living stays high here in New Zealand. And it, the government has conducted an inquiry into this, pressuring supermarkets to ease on what they are doing. And, and the commerce and consumer affairs have pressured many different recommendations within the supermarket industry to change how they conduct it. And part of the reason why it's such a big deal and how they control the market, pretty much, in a nutshell, Woolworths and Foodstuffs, labelled the big two, have a control on the market by... They can, part of the reason why it is such a big deal is there is collective big bidding that stops other chains from entering the market. And there are very few chains outside the big two. The biggest notable one is um, the night and day chain where because the pricing is so competitively geared towards Woolworths and foodstuffs who give deals and they take bigger stock loads and this, that, and the next thing, that they create better relationships with the big two, meaning that prices are more competitively higher because they bid for better deals that give more interest to the supply chains that stock the food for these chains. Um, and it means that places outside the big two, like the night and day or your local dairy that isn't part of the foodstuffs or the Woolworths umbrella, 
mean they pay on average this is what this is the number that the night and day pays is 43% more for their suppliers than they would than the big two would and the report that's come out recently has pressured these supermarkets to back down on this aggressive market because it means that um, new entrants into this supermarket industry won't have great investments because it, w it won't be economically affordable to continue these um, to continue in that industry and it creates chaos within it and this duopoly contributes in part to the high cost of living in New Zealand and it means that it doesn't support small businesses but it also gives less choice to what we have in our supermarkets and it creates chaos and it means that they become multi-million billion dollar organizations that have control on the market and they block out any competitors due to strengthened relationships with competitors and also half of most of it and part of the issue is even though they've had this conducted research it's kind of not enough because it's only a recommendation and they can't really enforce any laws to strengthen um, supply chain relationships that give less power to these the big two it means that it's going to take years for anything to come around the corner and it just shows how annoying and how slow politics can be that nothing can get done well COVID has proven that we can get stuff done like that through the pipeline but for big things that would change the cost of living in New Zealand or big giant societal changes take a long time and it is possible to break up monopolies or duopolies because in recent history there was the groundbreaking moment where there, there was telecom which had the company telecom that was the forebearer to what is now spark had a monopoly on that on that telephone industry on the telecommunications industry and it, they spent 12 years breaking down the monopoly and to where you see today the telecommunications industry is so vast and there are so many key competitors within that like spark like vodafone like two degrees like the list continues to go on and the telecommunications industry has widened because they still have the telecommunications aspect of it but they've also moved into um the internet part of it and um yeah it is a bit more expansive but also that was partly due to the breaking down 
of the monopoly that telecom had on the telecommunications industry in New Zealand. Whereas these recommendations are trying to do something similar to telecom back in the day. The other thing is there's two different organisations in this duopoly. It's not a monopoly, it's a duopoly. Meaning two. And these are big multi-million dollar organisations and it took 12 years for the success of the breakdown of telecom. And to do it with something like Woolworths or foodstuffs would be very, very difficult and probably take more than 12 years. And it just shows that not much can be done. And it's there's lots of shady back-end deals that allow this to keep happening. But the problem is they're not really shady back-end deals because technically they're legal. That is the problem. And that is what these recommendations from consumer affairs and um, commerce want to, Consumer Affairs and Commerce Commission want to do. They want to strengthen the laws that don't allow this duopoly to continue and it means it can be a more expensive organisation. And that might be difficult to take in how that directly impacts us youth. Technically, it mostly means that we get more expensive uh, groceries, essentially. Sorry that I should have I should have led with that in the beginning, but it means when you have a higher control on the market, you can more competitively price your goods, and it means that if there's only two major competitors, they can just keep it competitive with each other, like and continually to hike it up, where you don't have a competitor that has a lower price. And, and if there was a third competitor that came along and that was substantially lower than Woolworths or Foodstuff, it would almost equate out because business would go down for the bigger companies because the people can get it cheaper over here. And it would equate out. And that is probably the biggest um, crime that's happened today. You might not notice that it is a big deal because We've always had our food prices that like that. But also, you do see it when your food maybe shrink in package, shrink in size, or go up in price, or whatever they choose to do. It's crazy. Like, the world is so... We live in such a capitalist society that favours big businesses rather than small businesses. And it favours... The and it favours the suppliers rather than the customers. Uh, well, it favour uh, yeah. So and it means that it can, well we go it feeds back into why it's such why New Zealand is such an expensive place to live, and that is such a huge deficit for our communities and.
part of the 5.2% increase that I mentioned earlier from 2020 to 2021 is because COVID has affected the way we live. Petrol prices have gone up in this time. And this, that, and the next thing. And actually, petrol prices do correlate into food costs because food is transported in trucks that have, that operate on petrol or diesel. Or and or diesel. And that's, it all correlates into each other. So it's not that great that we are living in a time where everything is getting more expensive and not favouring us as the customer and not favouring small business because that is how we get large businesses that have control over entire industries. So keep that in mind and I'm not telling you not to go to the supermarket because that is not what I'm telling everyone to do. Just be aware that it's not all it cracks out to be. Like, the world is so capitalistic. And people don't want to think that we're such a capitalist, right-leaning society. Well, we are. Yes, we have a centre-left government, and we still have a capitalist country. And that has been the case since Rogernomics changed the way we see operate our economy but that's a whole another show for another day and if you want to learn more about that go search out raw genomics and its effect in new zealand um so that's all the time we have for today if you want to learn more about that go and do so read more about it because i can only get through as much as i fed to you and it may not sound like the most interesting of topics it's not as enlivening or maybe enraging like the world and the topics that I talk about can be but it is still an important topic that we live with um, day on day out and it is important to be mentioned and I wanted to highlight it and yeah so take it in make sure you be aware of the world and the country we live in and we're not too distantly dissimilar to the United States in how our economy works. We are a capitalist society through and through. But if you need to contact, as I include in every week's show, contact 1737 for support from a trained counsellor. If you just joined us now and you or you missed previous week's episodes make sure you download the usone app or go to what uh oar.org.nz to listen to the podcasts um on as catch up if you missed these live shows and yeah thanks for all for tuning in uh, also make sure you give the show a follow on Instagram at operation underscore rakatahi and if you want to come on the show as a guest or you want any issues spoken about on the air flick me an email at 
operation.orangatahi at gmail.com just yeah um also just stay safe out there covid is so prolific like i said at the um the front end of the show stay safe look after each other because and don't go to super spreader parties because that's already created chaos enough in Dunedin as it is. Like, small gatherings is if you want to meet with people, not big, large gatherings. So, yeah. So, thank you all for listening to our 83rd show. And, kakiti anō. Bye. <coughs>
This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.